Hey everyone, welcome to the Know Your Gear podcast, a podcast where I answer questions every week. If you want to join me live, you can join me on the YouTube channel, Philip McKnight. And as always, I want to thank you guys for joining this podcast. So let's get started. Roberto wants to know, do I have an opinion on Dean Zielinski guitars? Uh, it's like the Z-Glide system, I'm sure, is what you're kind of getting at. Um, I've I've worked on a bunch of Z-Glide guitars. They reached out to me. It's a f- typical, very common. I have a very, very typical situation with companies. It goes like this. Hey, Phil, we like your channel. We'd like to send you a guitar. And then I go, great. And then I never hear from them again. And that would be Dean Guitars. Uh, they reached out. Because really what happens is I'm sure, I'm guessing, I don't know, uh, with companies, they send that out to like, uh, it's like probably 20 or to 50 YouTube channels. Hey, we love your channel. We watch your content every day. It's really a common one. Um, so, you know, all YouTube channels that I've interacted with, we all talk about the fact that they, half the time, they don't even have, they don't, like, they'll say the wrong things to you. That's how you know they're not really even paying attention. Like, I'll get it, like, Phil, we really love your online guitar lessons, and we'd like to work with you. Cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then they'll go to some channel that does online guitar lessons, and they're like, we really love how you diagnose gear. <laughs> and you're like, well, obviously, they didn't watch your channel. They're just, you know, sending out. So, with Dean Zielinski Guitars, they reached out. Um, I think the offer I gave them was I went through their website. I picked out two guitars I thought were really cool. I said, could you send me these two guitars? And then basically, I said, it would be really nice if either A, I get to keep one of the ones, like out of the two I like, maybe keep it and continue to promote it and talk about it on the channel after we do the reviews of those two. So, two separate videos. You guys would get to two, review two guitars or two videos, and uh, you get two videos. Maybe I keep one or maybe I get a discount on one. You know what I mean? Depends, you know, because at first I got to find out if I even really want one, right? If I don't want one, it doesn't matter. I'll just do two videos and they get it back. Really wins for them in that case. And uh, I got ghosted, as they would say. They just never heard back from them. I think I followed up with them once and never heard again. It happens a lot. It's very common. I spend about two hours, no exaggeration, a week, two hours. And I'm being nice. My wife will say probably 10 hours a week. I spend two hours a week talking to companies just basically wasting my time. So, and I used to not talk about that with you guys. I used to leave that off the, off the show and off the stuff. But at this point, you know, I've gotten to the point now where they either will send you something and you can do a review and help them out, you know, cause it helps them more than me. Always my, my 10,000 views I got on something makes me $31 to their, you know, they'll sell 10 guitars. They'll come out ahead every time. So I love doing it. I love putting my hands on stuff. And the biggest advantage to me sometimes is I get to touch something that I normally wouldn't buy and maybe, you know, not only share it with you guys, but also get this kind of like, oh, get it out of my system. Like, okay, maybe I don't need this. I've had that happen a couple of times now where I review, review guitars. And although I love the guitars, you know, they got sent back to the companies. Um, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, um, what do you call it? I don't think anybody here is confused by that, right? Like if a company sends me a guitar for any reason and it goes back to the company, it's not just the company wants the guitar back. I didn't find enough about it to buy it. I can't own everything. That'd be just crazy. There's a couple of guitars behind me right now that were sent to me for a loan. And then I reached out to the company. And I said, I don't want to send it back. Can I buy it, please? What, what's my price? You know, what can we do? And, uh, and there you go. And I won't, uh, I won't tell a company I will buy a guitar unless I really, really want it. The Panda says, I tried to woo my wife for Valentine's Day with a song. Okay, that's cool. Smart move. Hopefully she will warm up to getting more gear. Depends on how much she liked that song. Uh, That puts the pressure on. I would imagine if you did a good job, (laughs) you can... um, 
you can get more gear. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, when I was a uh, teenager still, late teens, early 20s, um, I played a show once and uh, in, with my band. And the other guitar player was a lot louder than me. And after the show, my um, my uh, mother asked me. She was there. My mom was cool. She, my mom went to the show because that actually was cool. And um, she said to a metal show, which is <laughs> even funnier she said why was the why was it hard to hear you sometimes i said oh his amp's louder than mine and so sometimes he's and so she bought me a louder amp so well she helped me buy the letter louder amp that week so sometimes performing in front of people you love could help your gear situation is what i'm saying that's basically what i'm trying to say because i don't think she would ever ever in a million years go you need a louder amp Okay, so Greg's question. Let's see what he's got to say. Greg says, bought a pedal from Sweetwater when you were showing their pedals online. Oh, okay. And they are still waiting for product. I wonder how many you sold of them. I sold a lot of them. Uh, I'm very aware of that. Um, that, the stuff you kind of see. Now, think about this. They they had already started just to drop the price like the day before. So they were already selling uh, pedals. I say that we sold a lot of them. Here's why. In that video, Greg, of that live show, if you remember, I said, oh, I should buy one now. Remember, I said, like, oh, I'll buy one and then I'll review it. I should buy it now. And I go, nah, I'll buy it as soon as this show's over. And I did. I bought mine. I bought, um, uh, I think, six. Here, I'll tell you guys. I don't even have to guess. I can pull up my Sweetwater account and see what I ordered. Now, I don't think they've charged me for these. They might have. I don't remember. I don't know how it works. This is the most exciting live show ever. What did Phil buy at Sweetwater? Okay, view PDF. Let's see if this is it. I think this is it because it's, yeah. So here's what I bought. I bought the VD400 Behringer Vintage Delay. I won't name the things. I'll just say what I bought. Behringer Vintage Delay Pedal, Vintage Tube OD Pedal, Graphic Equalizer Pedal, Digital Reverb Pedal, Compressor Sustainer Pedal, Ultra Tremolo Pedal. Those are the one, how many I buy? One, two, three, four, five, six. I bought six Behringer Pedals that day. Came to a huge $133.66 six cents with uh with tax shipping and handling was 13 bucks no oh, no shipping and handling was removed okay tax was 996 um yeah they haven't shipped mine either uh my understanding is that they're out of stock they don't have any these things come from china and uh you know there's a term it's called a slow boat from china that's where that's our pedals are <laughs> so uh so greg i understand your pain yes i literally said hey let's buy some pedals i'll buy some too and then i i was actually so late i didn't get any so yeah but we'll get some soon i think i talked to uh, talked to via email my sweetwater uh rep and he said um uh he doesn't know when they're coming. That's what he told me. I heard other stories from other you guys too viewers said i talked they talked to their sweetwater reps my rep said he has no idea when they're coming so it could be a month so we'll see there you go. Yes, that's the good and the bad of mentioning products for a company. It's uh, it's uh, good for them. They sold some stuff. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. This is an impossible question to ask or, or answer. It's an easy question to ask. It's impossible to answer. David wants to know, hey, David, he says, are we in the golden age of guitars, a golden guitar age? And um, I, I would have to understand the reference of that you know, is the golden, sometimes the golden age of something means the best of it, right? So that's what I'm, I'm just clarifying. I'm interpreting your question. Is this the best age of guitars? Um, I think it is. If you like inexpensive guitars, I think this is the best it's ever been so far. <laughs> it could get better, could be worse. Who knows? 
Um, in the expensive guitar world, you know, high end guitar world, I don't think it's the the golden age. I think we ha- it had its golden age of when they were doing the best. And here's why I say that, you know, there are so many guitar brands, high end brands that I look at now, and I look at these three thousand, four thousand dollar guitars, and that's even, you know, that's you could say two thousand, but I just want to keep it three, four, five thousand dollar guitar prices. Which sometimes saying that excludes even brands like Nags because they're four, five, six, seven thousand dollar price points. You know, uh, Sir guitars, they're definitely in the three thousands, like the entry level point for Sir. Sir is a four, five thousand, six thousand dollar price guitar company. So when you look at those prices, what I see when I look at those guitars as a consumer looking at them as a guitar nerd. Is a guitar player dreaming of another high-end, you know, exciting guitar to talk about or play? No choices, no no selection. It's just, just to me when I go on Reverb and just use Reverb example. Maybe again, you guys are different. If you have different thoughts, please please share them. I go on Reverb and I type in something like Sir or something like uh, PRS or um, you know Nags. Nags excluded because they're pretty cr- pretty crazy out there. So I don't want to give them put them in the same in that same lumped up thing. But on the high end guitar, sometimes I look at these guitars because, you know, I just want to look at them and I look at them and what I see is 600 listed and I look and it's 600 of guitars. But if I start counting different guitars, guitars that are different colors from, you know, right. So there's a red one, there's 50 red ones, there's 50 blue ones, there's 50 black ones, there's 50 white ones. And then there's one silver one and then it's over and they all have the same. It's like a very homogenized high end guitar market is what I see. There's not a lot of excitement. I think, in my own opinion, so kill me if you want, (laughs) the most exciting high-end guitar company that I see when I see constantly stuff and I'm just wowed, it's Kiesel. Every time. Every time I see a guitar, every time I'm scrolling through Instagram with my thumb doing this thing that we do where you're just like looking at stuff, I see a guitar and I stop. It's always one of two companies. And when I say one of two, it's actually going to be either Kiesel or some boutique german boutique uh you know uh, switzerland new zealand it's always some kind of weird (laughs) builder that i've never even really heard of you know smorgenborg guitars and i'm you know and you look and it's exotic and exciting or it's a kiesel it seems like that's the because the fact that because the fact that kiesel lets all of us just pick all kinds of crazy stuff there's so exciting stuff so so to to get to your question at the best point of way i can in the high-end age i think that day is gone when i look at high-end guitars uh in the 80s 70s 80s 90s and probably even 60s but all, all those times there was a lot of different guitars exciting guitars it, not high-end guitars but just exciting stuff um uh and then, um, and then, and then in the, in the young, in the, uh, young, in the lower price points, I think they, I think you can have whatever you want. So I think there's just more exciting stuff. You know, uh, a perfect example of this is, um, look at what happened with my Ibanez AZ guitars. I bought, um, no, actually think about how horrible this is. Let's see if I can see it. Is it behind me? Ah, it's out. Kind of see it for those of you. Yay. If you're watching the show, you can see it. I'm pointing at it. It's in the corner of the room. That is the, um, I think it's called the Tequila Sunrise uh, Ibanez AZ made in Indonesia guitar. I reviewed that guitar twice now. I did a comparison video. I did a review of it. Um, that was sent to me by Ibanez. I got to keep that guitar. They didn't ask for it back. You know, uh, that was a guitar where they said, hey, would you like to review, a, I think, a bass or something I reviewed, a guitar. And I said, yeah, but I'd really like to review a prestige uh, uh, Ibanez. And they said, well, how about a premium one? <laughs> <laughs> and so they sent the premium and I reviewed it 
And I got gear math and I was so excited I bought a prestige. And so now at some at this point I've owned three prestiges, AZs. I still currently have two. Both are for sale, by the way. I don't want either one. Because I like my premium better. I like it. I think it feels as good. I think it stays in tune as well. I like the way it sounds. But more importantly, I am and for just my own, what do you call it? Uh not selfish, but um superficial reasons i'm sick of when my friends come over and i mean friends like non-guitar player friends tell me how nice that premium looks compared to the prestige like they like the the, the tequila sunrise and i do too i think it's a looks like a nice guitar it reminds me of a really high-end esp guitar so it's funny to me why why i'm telling you the story is what i would get from that as a new consumer a new guitar player a new person collecting guitars buying guitars getting a guitar is for $1,000, you get a beautiful-looking instrument, but for $2,000, you get a generic-looking painted instrument that's not even an exciting new color. It's very, very generic. And so, um, and not that everybody's looking for something exciting, <laughs> but I am. How about that? I'm looking for something. There's a reason why a bunch of the guitars behind me, as you see, like that Nuno N4 and that Charvel that I, you guys, if you're listening, can't see, um, those are custom-painted because I wanted something a little different. So... That's a very long conversation on this subject, but it's still, I thought it was worth it. The golden age of, of inexpensive guitars, I think we're having it right now. I think this is, if you're going to buy an inexpensive guitar, lower price guitar, whatever you want to call it, affordable, more affordable, man, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. They're, they're showing up the big guys in all ways. I, I, I think so, in my, in my opinion. And, um, and then on the high-end guitars, it's a really hard thing to, um, to pull the trigger on. So... Um, let's see what else. And then let's, uh, so Nathan, just Nathan's here. Nathan said the Kiesel, the custom he ordered was garbage. He didn't like it. I remember when he ordered that. What happened with that one is he ordered one and he sorted for light. Um, the problem is with that, and because I, I was there when he, he bought the guitar. I think I was the one that told him he probably should send it back, I think. I might have. If not, I just I think I echoed the sentiment at that time. Um, and I have friends who bought Kiesel who have not been happy, of course. not you know. But here's the thing with the Kiesel guitars for me, slowly as I've played more and more of them. Um, I came to a, my own epiphany. It happens. Uh, so you guys know, I, I haven't told anybody this. Nathan knows this. I think Nathan is probably the only person, or maybe Lawrence Petros maybe only knows this. But I, I just recently ordered another Kiesel. Um, I ordered a, an, another custom Kiesel. Uh, this one's probably the most extreme thing I've done in colors and choices and design and all that stuff. I went a little, a little mad with it. Uh, and I'll share it with you, of course, when it comes in. And of course they do know it's going to me. So, you know, like I've said before, if I get, uh, if, if it doesn't suck and you could argue that they didn't want it, you know, they wanted to send me a good one. Well then that's, you know, obviously could happen. They obviously know the channel and they value the channel. So there is a little bit of that there, but, um, but what's funny about Kiesel for me is I, I was thinking about buying – how I bought a Kiesel um, a couple weeks ago was I wanted a Tom Anderson. That's what it all started with. I just really wanted a Tom Anderson. I've been wanting a Tom Anderson for years. Something I think about, as you guys know, I talked about buying a Sir for years. Um, I owned a Sir before. I got rid of it. Actually, I've owned two Sirs and got rid of them. And I was thinking maybe about another one because the AZs were going to go. That's kind of – if you're doing the math with me, follow along, right? The two AZs are going to go – those I'll probably get at least 15 for each. That's three grand. So I was like, oh, I can invest it into some other guitar. And 
exactly what I was telling you guys about. I feel like when I was looking at guitars for $3,000 used or thinking about ramping up some more money to a more expensive guitar, which was a lot of money, I just feel like I wasn't getting anything exciting. And I came to this conclusion, this is a this is true, I, the Kiesel I ordered, compared to what I was looking at on the market, if I get this Kiesel and it's not great, I actually have enough money saved I could buy that. I could buy two. I almost. I wouldn't do it, but I could. Could have. I could buy two Kiesels identical, and then hope that one of them comes out right, and I'd still have a few hundred bucks in my pocket compared to what the other guys were selling for. So, like I said, it was. It was a. That's where I ended up on that. I'll share everything with you when the guitar comes. Not only the review of the guitar and stuff, but you know why. Um, ben Ben says, "Yeah, my Tom Anderson are my main squeeze." Yeah, Tom Andersons. I've played a few over the years. I've always really liked them. And, uh, and the problem for me, <laughs> John says, a lot of people are saying they want a Tom Anderson. My problem with Tom Anderson right now is the only problem, which is nothing with the guitars, it's with me, is that for the kind of money I have and am willing to pay for the, I, I don't get, I can't buy a whole lot of Tom Anderson. You know what I mean? I have to kind of find a, a used one, which is fine. I love used guitars. I'll buy, most of my guitars are used. Almost nine, I don't know. At least 70% of the guitars behind me were bought used. So um, I don't have a problem with that. It's the, again, you you want to buy what you want. At, at this kind of money, you want to buy what you want. Yeah, I don't want to be like, yeah, I totally settled for a couple of Gs. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of money. You want to get what you want. So that's why I went the way I went. And uh, I don't know if I told you guys, but there's a Sir... Theos behind me. It's right next to the one Nathan made me, the PRS. It's funny that they're both there because it's probably, that's not a coincidence, by the way. Uh, Not that they're sending this there. It's just that they're right there. Um, I've been putting those two in rotation probably more than any two guitars right now. Uh, In fact, I've been playing the Mira less. Obviously, since Nathan made me the guitar, I've been backing off the Mira almost exclusively to Nathan's guitar. And for some reason, my Strat has been taking a backseat to that Theos that I keep playing. In fact, (laughs) in fact, Oh, I got the lighting too dark today. I was going to say, if you look at the, the Theos behind me, you'll notice two things that you can definitely tell that when I'm playing a guitar a lot. And then uh, is, one, it's got the DiMaggio strap locks. But more importantly, it's got plastic. Uh, I took the chrome knobs off and I put plastic uh, Strat-style knobs on it, which I had to buy from Kiesel because Kiesel uses solid shaft posts and you have to buy their their plastic knobs. Andy wants to know, Phil, have you ever played Ormsby? I have. In fact, uh, I played a bunch of Ormsby's, and one of the Ormsby's that I was really, really enjoying was he had some Indonesian ones at the NAMM show that I was in really, really impressed with. I did a uh, booth review and talked about it or something. You know, I did something. on. Uh, there's a video of me talking about his booth on YouTube, and um, I just didn't pull that trigger. But, yeah, that would be a guitar I'd get. I'd get – if he still does those Indonesian ones, I'd probably get an Indonesian one. Uh, Harry says, good video with you and Eastwood Guitars. Thank you. You know, that was really great. Eastwood w- uh, reached out to me. Um, and, and just Michael's a one hell of a guy. If you guys didn't watch that interview, I interviewed the owner of Eastwood Guitars, which is Airline Guitars, and he's the co-owner of Revolta Guitars. And um, we did a very candid interview. There'll be a podcast version of that. The podcast version will be longer. I think his is 18 minutes on YouTube. The podcast version will be like 40, 50 minutes on, uh, so much longer video, some, some more, just, uh, more in depth talk about certain subjects, but, uh, something to, to tell you that was really great is, uh, I asked him if he would come and do a podcast with me. He was so gracious with his time to do that video with me. Um, 
because he was one of the few companies that when he re- he reached out to me recently and said, "Hey, would you be willing to review a another Eastwood guitar? I'll send you one out." And I said, uh, "I told you guys I've been doing this deal as much as I can with companies." I said, "The deal I'm trying to do for 2021 is send me three guitars. I pick two, you pick one, and then I do three videos." And and um, he was like, "Absolutely." No problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the reason is, is because I told him, which I'm telling all the companies, is they send me something and what they send me is something, sure, they want your your guys' eyeballs on. And I'm glad to talk about any guitar because it's a guitar channel and I love guitars. But it's sometimes more interesting for me to talk about the thing that I'm passionate for. So, of course, he doesn't need – and here's what here's why I want to share this with you, why it's important to me. He doesn't need help selling Revolta guitars. The Revolta guitars are killing it. He's killing it. So you guys know, not only are they made in Korea in the Mir factory, each one is set up and inspected by Novo in Nashville. The two they shipped me had to come from Nashville because those those specific guitars, they don't go to where East... All the Eastwood guitars get inspected by Eastwood. He says it in the interview, if you watch him, he explains that they send those guitars to to Nashville, right? So that they get set up and checked there. And... um, the reason why I want to give him a big shout out again, and please, if you guys didn't watch the interview, watch it because it's just great to see people like him in this industry. Um, he didn't need any videos of a Revolta guitar, but I knew that you guys wanted a Revolta guitar on the channel, and I wanted to do a Revolta on the channel. So guess what? I have two Revoltas. They should be here today. He sent. I got to pick them out. I'm doing two videos of them, and then we'll do a video of an Eastwood guitar that he wants to to, to have me talk about and show you guys. And uh, I think it's a win-win for everybody. So I said, please come on a podcast with me. And he did, because that's what I'm looking for is these relationships uh, with companies where, um, you know, they care about us and we can care about them. And it just seems like a better environment. So instead of everybody looking for a, their a commercial. Um, let's see. Uh, hold on. We'll be right back. Ever wonder how your favorite entertainers and athletes made it from childhood to the spotlight? Join me, Nashville-based entertainment reporter Jennifer Vickery-Smith, as I chat with moms of entertainers and entertaining moms on my hit podcast, Got It From My Mama. You'll hear delightful conversations with moms of everyone from the Jonas Brothers, Luke Bryan, Kelsey Ballerini, Steph Curry, Travis Kelsey, and so many more, sharing the journey from a perspective only a mama can share. New episodes weekly as we share the best conversations of family, faith, and fame on the Got It From My Mama podcast. I'm just looking at questions. Let me get back to some super chats too. I'm sorry guys, but I got to keep keep on track with Sometimes I let the super chat stack up a little deep and it gets a little tri- problemsome, messy, I should say. Uh, okay, so this is from Matthew. Matthew wants to know: Have you? Have I? He's talking to me. Have you? Have I? Have I uh, refused to fix a guitar because it was not repairable or it was not worth fixing? Question mark. What type of problems did they have? If so, um, that is an actually easy question. Here's why: What what you find with uh, first? It's very simple. Okay. You, I used to, used a long time ago, beginning, I used to try to tell people my opinions about a repair and I realized that was dumb, right? Because you don't tell the customer, the customer tells you. So when a customer comes in, 
um, with a guitar that's worth $70 and they go, we need this fixed. I've just learned instead of going, you don't want to fix that. You don't want to waste your time. I find it's just easier to give them a quote and then discuss it with them. So, hey, it's going to be $180 to fix the guitar. And then what happens is I watch them and most of the time they go, oh yeah, never mind. And you go, okay, now that's my little my time to, to bid the job. I, I don't mind losing a couple minutes of my, my time for that. It's not, not a problem. But sometimes they go, okay. Now what I do then is I go, okay, just to let you know, after the repairs are done, I'm going to tell you that this guitar is probably worth about $80. And what I find more times than not is the majority of the time they say, yeah, but it was my father's and we want it fixed. Or, yeah, but it was my brother's and, you know, something happened and I want it fixed. And so, um, or, hey, I've had this one. Uh, yeah, but I was drunk and I, I broke it. I tripped over it. <laughs> I got to fix my roommate's guitar. Like all kinds of reasons. And then, therefore, I know money doesn't matter. The money doesn't matter that it's just matter that it gets done right. That's easy. Now, if they would say, sometimes they will say, I'll say, you know, hey, just so you know, this guitar is not worth that. Just so you know. I just want them to be aware of. Because I don't want anybody to come back on me later and go, yeah, you totally, you know, raked me off of the coals. $200 in repairs. The guitar is worth 30 bucks. I, I, as long as they know what they're getting into, it's not me to decide what they want to do with it. Um, but a lot of times they would say, oh, okay. If they don't say the, the emotional thing, they'll say, oh, okay, yeah. Ooh, so you, what would you do if you were me? That's usually what they want to do. Is they go say, And I always tell them, I go, well... It depends. You know, if you think you're going to play this guitar forever and you love this guitar, then spend the money. I would, me personally, I'm not attached to it emotionally, so my only decision would be financial, which would be to buy a better guitar. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, and stuff like that. Um, and uh, and uh, so this is actually uh, ties into a crazy thing that happens that doesn't happen to me anymore because now I just do repair. So I used to do repair in my store. And there's a store aspect to that. One thing that used to crack us up at the store, we would have this problem where we, we learned we need to discuss that with people. You have to discuss people with value because sometimes this is what would happen to us. We would have on any given time, two or three classical guitars in the back of the shop that were restrung by us and never claimed. Um, and what would happen is people come in and go, how much for, you know, to restring a classical guitar? And we go, well, we charge, I think it was like $20 for the service. And then the strings are like, you know, 10 bucks. So it's like 30 bucks. And they go, okay, <laughs> you know, and, um, and so, you know, uh, just cause I can hear Ralph in my head. Cause Ralph would be saying this if he was here on the channel today, Ralph, I'll let you know the deal we had with customers, especially a lot of you guys that were customers of the store for a decade or so know this. When you came in for a restring in our store, the policy was really simple. It was like $20 to the restring or for free, we would let you do it at our bench and we would, uh, you know, supervise. We would just give you instruction. And that was your two options. 99% of the time, people just paid for it. They didn't want to do it. But every once in a while, somebody would be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And we would do one and then let you do one. And, and if you were doing fine, we'll let you continue on. Um, so anyway, so back to that thing. What happened was we would charge them $30 you know, for the strings and the service to restring a classical, which included oil in the fretboard and checking the guitar, make sure it's fine. And they would go home and figure out that they could just buy a classical for like 20 bucks. <laughs> I'm not kidding, on Amazon. And then you'd never come get the guitar. Um, or maybe they just didn't have the money. They never came get it. So, so that's why it's important to explain the value of things to a customer. It's again, not tell them what to do with their money or their decision. Not only because it's not good etiquette, it's, and it's not good business. It's also not, a, a it's not a nice thing to do to somebody telling somebody what they should do with their money, you know, is, is but 
you want to take a second just to give them what expertise or information you can from your your benefit of your experience, which is, you know, hey, just so you know, this is where I think you're going to end up if you do this. Um, and then in your case, your question is follow up question is what type of problems do they have? Um, the most common issue, the most common thing that you'll see for that is um, one of two categories when it comes to guitars that aren't worth repairing them. Okay. Uh, especially in a repair shop. Cause remember in a repair shop, I'm your biggest obstacle, the labor. When you do your own work, it's just parts. So putting $150 in parts into a guitar that's worth $100 doesn't sound like a smart idea to some. To some, it sounds like a great weekend. However, um, paying $200 in labor and $150 in parts, you see how this gets a lot worse. So it's a different thing. But what I was going to say was a lot of times broken headstocks, broken anything, cracked fretboards, that stuff immediately, you know, $150, $200 in labor by the time everything's done. And if a guitar is only worth, you know, 150 bucks, it makes it almost impossible to justify that expense. If it wasn't serious repair like that, the only main thing that would really hinder a guitar's uh, value repair is the parts. Um, Because as we all know, it's almost impossible to build a guitar with parts compared to what you know we can buy one overseas for. So uh, a perfect example of that is, let's say, take a Fender Strat. You know what I mean? Just a Squire Strat. You know, you get a, 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 a Affinity Squire Strat, you know, for $220 now. That's the going rate, right? New. And, um, you know, if just to buy pickups and a pick guard for that, you're going to be at 200 bucks unless you go with Guitar Fetish or some kind of, you know, inexpensive a company, which isn't going to give you much, in some cases, much better than what's already in the guitar. Some cases, yes, but some cases, no. So to answer your question, that's the main reasons why. But um, in most cases, if I inform them, they usually went with the right decision for them. And that's that's it. It's the right decision for them. Um, and so to answer a question you didn't ask, just because I'm sure maybe somebody's going to have a follow-up curious question, have I ever like you know had a, let a customer sink an, uh, a fortune into a guitar for a stupid reason? Yeah, including myself. I've done it two or three times now. Personally, I've shoved $800 worth of stuff, time, money, and parts into a guitar worth 100 bucks for some stupid reason. And because I've done it, uh, obviously other people have done it too. I've, I've done it for customers because they just have it in their head. You know, you know, I've, yeah, I've done it. I've done a lot of those things, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, trying to think of one in, in, in particular, I think, I think the craziest thing I remember doing was somebody brought me a Memphis guitar and it was some kind of Strat copy Memphis guitar. And I think we run up, ran up like a $600 ticket in labor and parts of that guitar. And but the the customer was determined this was going to happen. They wanted it, so I'm like, all right, cool. I don't know if they kept it or if they're happy with it. Uh, I assume they were they were fine. I never heard anything negative. Um, Dave's question is, Phil, if YouTube existed 30 years ago, then yeah, okay. Do you think newbies would have looked at awesome players out there and just given up and focus elsewhere? Maybe the next Eddie Van Halen quit today. No, I don't think that's the case. Uh, first of all, uh, it's just a here's my 100% belief system. People, the personalities, the cultures, they don't change. And if they do, it takes insane amount of time for, for that to happen. Technology changes. Technology changes what, how we, what we do, how we do, but not why we do it. Does it make sense? Uh, my favorite, favorite way to explain that is blockbuster video. Blockbuster video is gone. 
The idea of going to a store on Friday afternoon as soon as you get off work so that you can get there before the videos are rented out to get a video and get to the counter or standing by the counter and waiting for somebody to check in a video so you can get it. Um, that's gone. Now we stream it and we get it in a second and we click a button. However, we're still watching movies. We're still renting movies. We're still consuming movies the same same way, but mostly by our TV, right? We're watching our TV. So Blockbuster Video didn't go out of business because no one's watching movies anymore <laughs> or no one wants to rent movies anymore. Blockbuster went out of video because the way we do it changed. It just became easier, or more convenient or different. So do I think that if YouTube existed 30 years ago, we wouldn't see the artists that we saw 30 years ago? And the stuff? No, everything would still happen that way. It would just be consume it different. So to you, it would feel different. Maybe less exciting if 30 years ago, instead of seeing Eddie Van Halen on, on uh, MTV in 30 years, I don't even think it was enough. Is that enough? That's not even enough. <laughs> it's, yeah, you got to go back 40 years ago, I think, almost, almost, right? So 30 years ago, you know, yeah, you see Michael Jackson, you see Eddie Van Halen, you see these guys on MTV, and uh, now we can see it on YouTube, and and of course, and everybody else who's talented. But I think talent still rises to the top. I think everything, we still want to watch great guitar players. Um, I, I personally don't think anything's changed. I have this huge argument. Um, uh, I'll, I'll just tell you, uh, next week's podcast, I think it's next week, if not, it's the following week, was with me and uh, Dave the Snake uh, Sabo from Skid Row. And in there, I said this, so I'm just regurgitating what I said there. When his band started Skid Row, I started playing guitar in 88. His band kind of hit the scene in 89. Metal was dead. That's what all I heard. When I went to school and I was like, I was going to learn guitar and impress the ladies. <laughs> and they weren't impressed with guitar players. That, that, that was you know, That's something that you have to be at least five years older than me to say. Like, oh, my band, we used to play. And girls would be like, what, girls? I didn't have girls at my show. <laughs> When I played when I played music, there was twenty dudes with their arms crossed staring at me, <laughs> and my mom. See, uh, so um, so anyways, um, but what's my point? My point is is that um, we perceive things differently. We see things differently. We even do things in the way that technology involves us do things. But I think the same things come to bear. Um, uh, you know, I a good example when you're talking about YouTube, you know, let's say what YouTube could YouTube. Uh, I, I hear this as a, as a person who makes a lot of content on YouTube, uh, YouTubers get a lot of people to buy a lot of gear. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> yes, we, then, then we should all be, I should be a millionaire, uh, and companies should be, I shouldn't even be able to do a show because my phone should be ringing because companies are like, Oh, Phil, you're every guitar player buys gears. Cause you know, cause you say to no, um, you out there, I'm just going to call you on it. All you guys watching 1,147 of you, not all of you, but I'll call a bunch of you. You know who I'm talking to out there. You guys buy gear. You don't need me. I'm your excuse. You look at my wall and go, well, I don't have as bad as that guy. <laughs> or maybe you're like, oh, I got it better than that guy. I don't know. Either way, my point is, uh, my guess is if you're watching a gear channel on YouTube, other than learning information, which is a very, very, uh, very good part of what what it is we get to do here. Um, look, I, I was that guy that, um, that got the guitar world magazine and then flipped to all the ads. And I went to the ads first. I didn't read a single article until I saw every single ad. If you know exactly what I'm talking about right now, that's you watching gear channels. You didn't need gear channels to be that way. You were that way when you had magazines. So I guess that's a, a, a very safe way to say that people 
generally don't change. You know what I mean? Like I said, not very quickly. Cultures, personalities, uh, as people, we, we take a long time to change. So um, I don't think YouTube would have changed a whole lot. Um, the only thing that I think that can affect artists now is we used to not all have to listen to everybody's opinion about everything. And that's, uh, you know, obviously as a channel that reviews stuff that has an opinion, I guess I'm calling myself on this too, but, um, like it was funny. Uh, I just, uh, I was just, my wife took a car to, to service at the dealership and I got like three questionnaires, whatever, after the experience sent to me and a call and they have to know what I think. And I'm like, man, it's like you can't do anything anymore. I told my wife, I, I, I didn't do it. I didn't uh, didn't fill out the questionnaires. I didn't respond to the call. And my wife's like, oh, you're going to do it? And I said, no. I said, every time I go anywhere now or do anything, somebody needs to know what I thought of the experience. I go, remember when you just did stuff? And if there was something wrong, you'd let them know? <laughs> Why does everyone have to give you an opinion on everything, about everything? That being said, I have a channel that gives you my opinion. <laughs> I don't know. You get, you get, I guess hopefully you guys know what I'm saying. Otherwise. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let's go to the next one. <laughs> let's go to the next question. All right. The next one is JSL. JSL says, Hey Phil, I hope all is well joining in for the rare live stream. Uh, it says, uh, just picked up an EVH LBX and cab stoked. Have a great weekend. I have the LBX. I love the LBX. I had, I've had, I've not tried the stealth. Everybody asked me if I tried the stealth, the new one, the dark one. I haven't. The one I currently have now is the uh, black faced one that has the two channels that are clean and dirty. And, uh, and I've done, I had both. I did a video of both. And in that video, I think I said, I love the sound of the first one, the all white one, uh, the white face one. I'll just call it that. And, uh, which I still do to this day, but I liked having a clean channel for pedals. It's because I wanted that LBX because, um, oh, well I bought it cause Eddie died and I missed having mine. <laughs> so I bought it, but now I'm using it on a Marshall cabinet, uh, in the shop. Uh, six string Steve says, would you have any hesitation buying a Fender Tele American pro two made in pine? Okay. Uh, would you prefer a used American standard in ash unable to pay? Oh, to play in a local store and compare. So this is uh, hopefully will help you on this answer. There is, there is one, I think pine guitars are cool, especially like tellies. I don't have a pine telly. Um, there was a Pine Squire that we sold once in the store. And I remember thinking like, I, I don't even remember what model it was. I just remember loving it and, uh, and thinking, what is this? And then I looked in the specs and I'm like, oh, Pine. I know the, some of the original tellies I think were Pine. There was all kinds of stuff made of Pine. They've done some high-end guitars out of Pine. I, I like it. I think it's cool. So to, to answer your question, would I, uh, would I have a problem with a new American telly made of Pine? I don't. I think it's really cool. Um, but... Uh, or would I prefer, and that's what you're asking me, the Ash one? Well, it's not that I would prefer it. If I had an opportunity right now, if I had two American professionals in front of me, Tellys, a new one and an old model one, and the old model one was Ash and the new one was Pine, and the Ash one was less money, I would go with the Ash. And here's why. Um, first, if you can buy used, you're going to save money anyways. It's just good. Also, um, you know, Ash is one of those things. We don't know, you know, what's going to happen with these Beatles and all this other stuff, right? They basically, a lot of companies have backed off of it. It could be uh, rare. And also Ash, when it's right, when it's the right weight and it does things, uh, it's it's great. Um, it sounds great. It's got a good resonance to it. It thumps a little bit. Um, I had a uh, I had an Ash Telly and I sold it like an idiot. <laughs> 
And the one I have now is older and I had to change out the pickups and, and do whatever I can, which I finally was able to do to get it to kind of sound and thump. I, I guess thump is the word I want to use to, to have those notes pop the way they did. But, um, but I would prefer, I would prefer the ash one, but I wouldn't have a problem with the pine one is what I'm basically saying. Yeah, uh, Lawrence is saying, I'll take a nice piece of ash over a plank of pine any day. Yeah, like I said, it, it's not that pine's bad. For me, it's not that pine's bad or there's an issue with it that I would say to stay away from. I'm not even worried about it being soft or shrinking. To me, I like basswood, and I have a lot of guitars made of basswood, and I can't imagine. I'd have to look. I think basswood's got to be softer than pine. If not, it's damn close. <laughs> um, so, But ash is just, it's just I, I would rather have ash if I could get it. I wouldn't pay more. So you understand what I'm saying for the advice, if it helps. If I had an opportunity to buy, let's say, the same price or less ash, I'd probably go that route, but I wouldn't pay more. It doesn't matter. It, w- it wouldn't matter to me enough to pay more. Okay. JB says, what's the green telly in the corner? That is my uh, GNL ASAT. ASAT. Uh, Telecaster that they can't call Telecaster uh, in Margarita Metallic. Somebody, I hope they're wrong. They I saw it in a passing comment, I think on a video. Somebody told me to discontinue that color. I hope they didn't. It's great. <laughs> so if they did, well, that sucks. But that's uh, that's what it is. Dual humbucker, nothing special. It's not. It's an older body uh, with a arm carve, hardtail, two humbuckers, stock uh, GNL humbuckers. There's a total review on it. You can watch the whole video of me talking about it. I uh, I ordered it when I went to uh, their facility and did uh, interviews with them and checked out the facility and stuff. And then I ordered one that day. I was in love. Jamin says thoughts on a Strat pickup in a Tele. Doesn't really appeal to me. I'm when I like tell look, I like tellies. So to me, tellies are about two things for me. Either make a telly a telly, so use telly pickups, or make a telly kind of like this hybrid Les Paul thing that tellies get to do. Man, when you put humbuckers or P90s in tellies, they got this just killer tone uh, that I think is kind of like a Les Paul, but more mids. It's just a really cool vibe. I found that over the years, trying guitars, playing guitars, playing music with them, trying to figure out, you know, where where do I find myself? Where do I find myself swimming in the stream of, of tones and sounds and music? I used to be like, well, I love the way strats play, so I play strats. But I, I like the way they sound, but I don't love the way they sound. I kind of like the way Gibson Les Paul sound. And so then it became like, okay, well, I'll use a Les Paul for the tone and I'll play a strap when it's comfortable. And I kept doing this. And over the years, I've just kind of found a Tele's, uh, like a nice little in the middle kind of thing. And whether it has Tele pickups or humbuckers, that's a great thing about Tele's. When you get a Tele that's right, even when it's got Tele pickups, they sound huge, massive. It sounds great. So it's a great compromise. So so basically, that's my way of saying I've had no desire to stick any kind of Strat style pickups in a Telecaster. Although I do have a Somnium guitar, which is like a Tele-shaped body I can stick Strat pickups in. And when I do it, sounds like a strat <laughs> and that's kind of my thoughts so i guess oh you know uh, i did have a james burton telly for uh, uh, from like I, I owned it in 2005 or 6 and i had it for three years i had the blue one it had lace sensors single coils and douglas says is this total crazy idea okay let's 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 go he's asking all of us now i want to buy an eight string neck okay pickups etc and put them into the body of a cheap guitar for example glary uh, yeah, that's a crazy idea. <laughs> like, I, 
Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know why you'd want... Sure. <laughs> it's kind of like... Um, a better question would be like, you know, hey, do you have... Douglas, do you have some free time? <laughs> Are you trapped in the snow and you can't leave the house for a week or so? And you happen to hopefully have electricity? Then, yeah, do that. It's a, not a wise choice with your money, but as someone who's taken a glary and shoved a ton of money into it and done videos, and uh, I could love, to, I would love, trust me, Douglas, I'd love to sit here and go, well, Douglas, the reason I did it is I'm a YouTuber and I, I got a, a 50,000 views. And let me tell you, all the views of those, that glary guitar that I converted into the, into the nice guitar, I think I did three videos. I think if you collectively count those views, they didn't pay for crap. <laughs> so that was just my shenanigans. Um, I was, <laughs> I was better off just doing a, something else. But like you, Douglas, I had it in my craw to do something. So if it's in you to want to shove an eight string neck on a glary body, I'm, I'm telling you the only thing you're going to get out of that is hopefully some experience from it, but also hopefully a good time doing it. But that's it. At the end, there'll be no value proposition. And, and I don't know, unless you can make a great clickbait video, <laughs> maybe they get away. You know, it's, it, it doesn't work. Greg says, cheers, Phil. Heard uh, you talk about your time and APG. So I would imagine it's, uh, he's in Baltimore. So I'm thinking it's Aberdeen Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Yep, that's where I was at. Uh, Just south of there. Small world. Thanks for all you do. Greg, uh, yes, I did talk about it. So yes, when I was in in the army, I was at Aberdeen Proving Grounds. I'll tell you what, it's a very lame story. I make fun of myself. I try to in the channel. Don't take yourself too seriously is what I hope I convey in that. Let me tell you a funny thing about my time in Aberdeen Proving Grounds. That was my first time on the East Coast. I was born in California. I was pretty much raised in Arizona. I had never, well, first, I've never seen the cold before. So let me just start there, okay? Um, But Greg... I had never seen steam come out of the ground. And when I say come out of the ground, and, and all you guys from the East Coast and around the world with cold, you're going to hopefully have a good laugh. And But you West Coasters that have never been to the East Coast, I'll explain it to you. They just have steam when it's cold coming out of the sewer. And so what would happen was when we would go places, when we would march places or go anywhere, I would hold my breath every time we went over the steam. Because to me, I'm like, that's like poop steam, right? I was freaking out. I'm not kidding. It was like a big deal to me. It was like, is that is that piss? Like, what is coming out of the ground? It's just steam. And it was like, basically, they would make fun of me for holding my breath. <laughs> but I had never seen that. And then I would try to explain to them, like, where I live, steam just doesn't come out of the sewer. You know what I mean? Or out of the vents. I never, the entire time I was there, I could never come to terms with not holding my breath. To me, it's still a creepy thing to think that when you get that steam come over, you know, through your coming because it comes through your feet, through your whole body as you walk by. I just remember thinking, this is gross. <laughs> so now Michael says it's just stormwater, rain runoff. Yeah, but where I live, that's where shit is. <laughs> so I held my breath. I'd like to say I was a younger, dumber version of me at that time because I was, but um. I still probably don't want to walk in anything steaming out of the ground, but there you go. There's my Aberdeen story for you, Greg. I hope that uh, you get a chuckle out of that. S for far music. Sometimes we need these sign-ons with commas. That would help. 
because that made me think that's what it is. Hey, Phil, I've been looking at a Godin acoustic since you mentioned the Godin a lot on the show. Uh, I like a few of them, but they all have rich light fretboards. Is there a real noticeable difference with the wood? No, I really, I really like uh, rich light. I, I've said this before. I'm very, I'm a fan. I'm on board. I love the idea of rich light. I'm all there. My only complaint about rich light is I don't want it on a $4,000 guitar unless that $4,000 guitar is like a $5,000 guitar, $4,000. In other words, I, I, what I love about rich light is it's great quality. It looks great. And it's consistent. You get the idea. I'm for it. Godin uh, is using it. Godin's a company that really focuses on quality. And so, and, and obviously Gibson uses it. All kinds of companies use it. I think it's great. Man, I just feel like if when you hit the high price crazy, I've arrived, you know what I mean? I got the Cadillac, Baritz. And you're, you're like, this is where you're going to be in life. And you got this thing. When you're buying that level of guitar, I don't want to hear about Rich Light. Or, uh, but tone wise, I have no complaints for Rich Light. Like I said, I don't even complain about the $4,000 guitar with it. It's not like I'm saying it sounds not as good as Ebony. I just feel like if I can buy a really nice jet ski or a guitar, I want that guitar to have some nice stuff because you ever seen somebody on a jet ski they look like they're having a lot of fun so to answer your question i wouldn't uh, have any issues with it. and i don't think they're the only ones using rich light and acoustics isn't uh martin also using a lot of rich light now in acoustics uh, a couple of the companies have seen it too really good stuff okay so the next one's from robert robert says uh hey phil you are my favorite guitarist on youtube you need to watch more YouTube, Robert, but I appreciate that compliment. No, I'm just kidding. I thank you for the compliment, but, but yes. Uh, it says, but I need some more metal, okay? Any chance uh, of you collaborating with Ola, Kristen Cole, or Keith Merrill? Uh, you know, no. <laughs> the reality is the reality of of the youtube world i've seen is it's usually the way it works is for a bigger channel a bigger entity to work with a smaller channel the the win is all on the small channel okay so a good example so i I hung out with marty schwartz we did that video in 2019 we did a bunch of videos he released them on his channel that's all win for me no win for him okay that's just marty's a cool guy michael is his manager they're cool guys we met in nashville for a minute we had a great conversation we did a video together that video did well they saw that me and marty had a good chemistry of talking together and they thought what i do here on this channel would benefit some of his viewers and they had me come on his channel the reason i say that is the benefit is always to the to the smaller channel in other words marty gets some views but he can get views just by making a video i'll get subscribers i'm i'm out of it he won't get very many subscribers out of it just a few comparatively speaking the reason i say that is ola england and and bigger channels there's no value to them to do a a collab with me (laughs) it's basically what i'm trying to get at so and i'm not saying that that everybody's think thinks like that but that's the reality of it. The benefit is all to me. So when you ask for, when people like viewers go, hey, you should do a collaboration with this channel, that channel. Sometimes you meet these people. You know what I mean? You meet people. I meet people. I did a collaboration with Music is Win on his channel. Same thing. The benefit was all to me. But we did that collaboration because me and him had a beer. Actually, believe it or not, that was actually true. We had a beer in Germany and we sat up in the hotel uh, lobby and we had a few beers and we had a good conversation. And from that conversation, we've had a few other conversations. And from those conversations, he was like, hey, why don't we do a video together? because it was a friend type thing it was like hey why don't we do this we like each other's personalities and he's just like anybody who has a friend he's like hey i'll help mcknight out and get him some viewers you know what i mean give him some subs and so anytime you've seen me interact with a channel that's bigger than mine it's always because i've met them externally outside of youtube and 
we hit it off and it was like, uh, hey, Phil seemed like a decent guy. Let's get him on the channel because they know what that means to a smaller channel. So when I do videos when smaller channels, the same thing. It brings them some things. Same thing. I met them off the YouTube environment. So the answer is always easy. Would I do it? Of course. I know what the benefit to me is. If Olin England and I did a video, I, I would benefit from it. By the way, this is a nice segue <laughs> into uh, this conversation. I don't know uh, what you guys you 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 people on youtube you out there watching get to see it tells me what you guys are watching i know what channels you're watching all my subs it tells me it tells me exactly what you guys are watching besides me so one of the things i can tell you is ola england is in my top five uh youtubers that you guys watch out of all you all the subscribers that watch my channel ola england is the top five that you also watch so, uh, so I said, I learned this stuff, you know what I mean? Uh, Tyler Larson's another one as well. You know what I mean? You get to see what channels you guys engage with a lot. Guitar player magazines, another one you guys engage with a lot. You, you watch it a lot. Um, and so it says your viewers are watching this and your viewers are doing this. And it lets me know a uh, perfect example. Oh, that's uh, validates what I'm saying. Ola would get nothing out of the deal because most of you are already watching Ola. <laughs> that's um, and I'm sure he's got analytics that say the same thing. So that's my fancy way of saying, of course, I would always do a collab with any big channel because it would just help my channel. It's a smart move for me. That's your my answer to your question. The answer is yes. I would love to do a uh, a collab with them, but uh, it would be all benefit to me at this point. Uh, Samir says, uh, hold on, how are we doing? Okay, we're doing good. Samir says, uh, I'm an I'm an electric man. Okay. All right, you're an electric man. I'm just, I don't know why I'm laughing about that. I think it's because I, at first I'm like, is he trying to say he's an electrician? He's not. He's he's an electric guitar player. Took me a second to figure out. He's he's like I'm an elect, I'm an electric man. I like electrics, but I need a acoustic to record close to pulling the trigger on a hundred twenty dollar, a hundred twenty dollar Korean hummingbird knockoff. Thoughts on cheap acoustics. Acoustics are super, super easy. It's why the channels that do acoustics are never, you know, never huge channels. It's why the acoustic market is not as big as the electric market. There's not a lot of debate on acoustics. It works really simple. As generally speaking as possible, the, every dollar you spend on acoustic more, you're going to get a better acoustic. It is get better and better and better and better and better. That's easy. So to answer your question, my, what's my thoughts on that? It could be a great guitar, but I think if you buy a nicer one, it's going to be nicer. It really is that simple. You don't need a crazy expensive acoustic guitar, although it's going to be great. There's a reason why Martins and Taylors and Gibsons, you know what I mean? They, they're great. So to, that's what I would do. But for recording, sometimes it doesn't really matter. What really matters on your acoustic, especially for recording, good set of strings and your setup as best as possible. That's going to be, be huge. Um, and a lot of times with acoustic for recording, how good it plays isn't really what factors in because you want the, the guitar, the strings to be a little high on the action because you're going to get a big boomy sound out of it. Better recording for a lot of, t a lot of purposes, less buzz. So there you go. Um, I can tell you a trick I use uh, if it helps. Here's a little trick. I, I don't know where I learned it. I must have learned it from somebody because I don't think I was smart enough to come up with, come up with it on my own. Because I play electric more than I play acoustic, like a lot of us, especially a lot of you watching, um, um, what I will tell you is when you record acoustic, the trick I learned is set the action, not as high as you can tolerate, because I, I don't want you to get carried away, but make sure the action is a little, not slammed, because you want, again, the best sounding acoustic. But 
don't worry about how long it takes to get the 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 take right. So in other words, play, play a little bit, play a little bit, and you're like, okay, it's not working out, and then your hands get tired, stop. Come back tomorrow, the next day, right? In other words, don't worry about nailing it in one one sitting, one one session. Take a little bit more time. You will always see a big benefit from, you know what I mean, taking that time on the acoustic to get that acoustic in there right. Um, and I, I've and I've I've really learned that over the years. It really has helped me tremendously. Tremendously. Um, I play a little bit, and I'm like, oh, I'm not nailing it. Or if I have to, I cut everything apart and piece it all together into one take. Just take the best from everything. Um, but the, um, that's, that's the best thing I can tell you, um, because the acoustics are unforgiving in the recording of the performance. Every time you mess up, you hear it. It's really hard to, it's really hard to hide that. All right. On that note, I do have to go. I have an interview in like 15 minutes that I have to do. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed hanging out this Friday. As always, I enjoyed it. Thank you guys so much uh, for hanging out until next week. Know your gear.